0: Um, Why don't we? I just want to go to the Lord in prayer real quick before we get into the Word. I want to thank you for being here today. There's a lot going on uh, in our uh, city with the legislation going on right now. Legislators are gathered. A lot of important bills uh, that they're proposing that we need to be in prayer about, and also in our nation. You know, I just I see our nation just so deeply divided right now. I want to pray for healing of our nation as well. So. Join me as we pray, okay? Father, our Heavenly Father, we just bless you. We just thank you for your presence here. Ask for a great outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us this morning that you give us an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church today. And not just corporately, but to us individually as well. Lord, if you want to speak a word into our heart, uh, we give you the opportunity. And we just say, Lord, our our hearts are open. Lord, where our hearts have become dull and hardened, We have a hard time listening to you or hearing you. Your word says that you'll plow up fallow ground, the hardened ground. And we ask you, Lord, that you would do that today. If our heart has grown cold or hard toward you in certain areas, pray that you would plow up the fallow ground. Lord, we lift up our city, our state, and our nation to you, Lord. There's such a division in our nation right now. God, that only you can heal this, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, But God, we need a great outpouring. We need a great awakening. Our nation needs a great revival from you right now. Lord, that you would just move and sweep across this land. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. 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 It seemed like there was something else I was supposed to say before I got started. Okay. We're getting started. If I think of it, I'll, I'll say it. So, you know... None of us like to uh, admit when we're wrong, especially me. And very seldom does that happen, but uh, (laughs) where's Nina? How many many of you ever used a GPS that's led you in the wrong direction? Yeah, you know, I mean, we were in Denver last week. By the way, I went up for my, just FYI, for my monthly uh, checkup. And I've only had to do that once, and I was supposed to do it, I think, three or four times. But uh, I went the first time, and he said, you know what? You don't need to come back for three more months. So, uh, three more months. But uh, on the way back to the airport, and I was just sure that I knew. I, man, I have got incredible sense of direction when I have a GPS. Uh, I've got, <laughs> but we were headed to the airport. And I was just like, I knew where it, was, where it was. And the GPS was telling us to go one way. And, you know, it was also saying there was a toll road that way. And we had never been on a toll road before going up there. So I told Nina, I said, just just go back. Let's just go back this other direction. Well, about eight miles into that direction, I see these airplanes crossing the road. And it's like they're going, you know, north and we're going east. And I'm like... I love what Tony Evans and uh, you guys know Tony Evans, a great, great preacher. But he always talks about, he's talking about when the children of Israel were going through the Red Sea and um, that the Pharaoh's army was after them. And he said that, you know, anybody in their normal mind like Pharaoh's army would have seen these walls of water and seen the dry land and would have said something like, Something ain't right, you know, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm going this direction, the planes are going that direction, and I'm thinking something ain't right. And uh, so, Nina, after a while, the GPS lady keeps pleading for me to turn around and make a U-turn. And so I finally did, and uh, we got to the airport in plenty of time. Uh, I told her, I said, you know, uh, when it comes to navigation, I'm giving her a hard time about it. I'm like, you should have told me like 20 miles ago when we left the restaurant. So there's this lady that gets pulled over. She's going 85 in a 65, and the patrolman walks up to the window, and he says, can I see your license? And she says, I'm sorry, sir, I'm driving on a suspended license. I don't have one. And then um, he says, can I see the registration? And she said, I'm sorry, sir, the car is stolen. I don't have a registration. And he says, ma'am, would you mind if I look in your trunk? And she said, yes, I would. There's a body in the trunk. And uh, so he says, just wait here. i got to call my supervisor. So he calls the supervisor. The supervisor comes up and says, ma'am, can I see your license? She opens up her purse, pulls out the license. He said, can I see your registration? She reaches in the glove box pulls out the registration. He said, would you mind if I look in your trunk? She gives him the key, opens up the trunk, nothing there. He's kind of scratching his head and he says, I don't get it. He said, my patrolman said, you said you, you know, had a suspended license, the car was stolen, and there was a body in the truck. And she said, yeah, and I bet you he also told you I was going 85 and a 65. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're in Psalm 42 this morning, and, uh, you know, we, we used to sing this as a song. Um, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise and with the festive throngs. Why, my soul, are you da- downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within, men, within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, From Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, and all your waves and your breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning? Oppressed by my enemies, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes. Some of your translations may say enemies. Why my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So I know that you've probably read that, that, psalm, that psalm many times, but I want to talk to you today about uh, the condition... This individual's condition It was written by uh, one of the sons or descendants of Korah. You'll remember that Korah was one of the men that withstood Moses, kind of like challenged him and said, you know, who do you think you are? You think you're the only one that can lead these people? You know, we, you know our group is just as good as yours. We can lead them as well. And Moses said to him, you know, that God had called you to be worshipers and God's called me to do something else. And uh, they kept challenging him. And uh, the next morning, Moses uh, says, tomorrow morning, we'll, we'll come and we'll present our offerings to God. This is found in the book of Numbers. And uh, present your censors to God. I will present our censors to God. And so the next morning, Korah and his clan gathered together. But Moses gave them a word. He says, if, if these men die a natural death and God hasn't spoken to me and God isn't with me, but if they, they die some other way, some way that seems unnatural, then God has spoken through me. When they gather the next day, the earth, so there's an earthquake. The earth opens up, swallows the clan of Korah, and then closes back up. But these are descendants of Korah, uh, the writer of this psalm is. And uh, he's talking about, he, he talks about three things in here, three things that I want to cover The man that's writing this, the individual that's writing this, the condition that he's in, the spiritual condition that he's in, and then the cause or the reason that he got to that condition, and then the cure of how to get out of that condition. I'm going to just tell you that every one of us at some point in your Christian walk will go through something like this where you're wondering where God is in a situation, in a certain situation. As I mentioned to you, um, when I was in the hospital, there were several days that I just, my heart was crying out to God, and I couldn't sense God, I couldn't feel God, I couldn't see God, yet in my heart I knew that he was there, I knew that he was close, but mentally, you know, I'm going through this mental exercise, just asking these questions, God, where are you? Where are you, God? I need you right now. In this deep, dark moment of my life, I need you. And so when we look at, uh, number one, the condition, the psalmist says here, my soul thirsts for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? And uh, actually, back in verse 1, I don't have it on the overhead, but he says, as the deer pants for the streams of water, uh, so my soul pants for you. And it's, he's using a metaphor to begin with. You know, he says, the deer panting for the water. Um, you know, I've, I've been in the forest a lot most of my life. You know, grow, as a kid growing up, I loved the woods. I loved watching, observing. I love the outdoors, hunting and fishing. Um, but deer typically don't pant for water. They know, they know where the water brook is. They know where the streams or the ponds are. So when you see a deer that's panting, uh, they're either being pursued or chased by an enemy or there is no water. And so he uses this metaphor. The psalmist is the deer and God is supposed to be the water, but there's no water there. And uh, so he goes on to say, my soul thirsts for, for God, for the living God. And so God seems to... You know, he's just he's he's saying he's crying out, and he says, "I can't find God. I can't see God. I can't see. I, I, I can't uh, sense God, and He seems distant, and I feel dry and empty. And if you've ever felt like that, I know that I have, and perhaps you have as well. Uh, there may be a time in your life that you may feel that way, or you may know someone that's going through something like that right now. But he goes on to say, "Well, the psalmist goes on. This is David now. Typically." You know, when, when the psalmist starts talking about, God, where are you? Usually it's because there's sin in the individual's life. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 2, that our sins have separated us from God. So it's kind of like God, you know, driving Adam and Eve out of the garden. They were separated from God. But, and then after they're on the outside, then they start longing for, you know, that, that strong desire for, for God. But there's nothing in this psalm that talks about sin, Uh, probably one of the few psalms that doesn't, because look at Psalm 32. This is David, um, and he says uh, in verse 3, starting in verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. When I tried to hide my sin is what he's saying. He said, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And this is just the, the heart of God trying to get you back. You know, when, you're, when you feel the hand of God on you heavy. He says, my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. And then I acknowledged my sin. Listen to this. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And so you can see there are many psalms that are like that, where the psalmist has sinned. He's done something. This is probably written after David uh, had... Uh, Uriah the Hittite uh, killed and uh, had an affair, an adulterous relationship with his wife Bathsheba, and uh, David ends up marrying her. But uh, this psalm is not about that at all. It's just like, God, I haven't done anything wrong. It's just like Job. It's like the story of Job. What would Job do? Apparently he didn't do anything, but he went through this incredible fiery trial. And God told uh, the devil, he told Satan, he says, you know, you can test him this way. You can test him with his finances and you can test him with, you know, all of these other things, with his flocks and his cattle and, you know, even with his children. You know, you can test him, but you cannot take his life. There was a boundary that God established. And so um, it's good for us to know this because if you don't know this, many times, how many of you have been told that when you come to Christ, everything's going to be perfect in your life? Anybody ever been told that? Anybody ever been told that? Nobody in here. Everything anybody ever tell you everything is going to be fine with you when you come to Christ. Golly, I got to stop cuz it's it's not working with my message. <laughs> well, a lot of times, you know, people will say that. You you know that if if you need to, you know, if your life is a wreck, come to Jesus and everything is going to be a, going to be fine with you. But uh, you know, and then when you're going through a difficult time where the, like the psalmist is crying out, you know, God, where are you? I don't sense you. I don't feel you. Uh, you know, it's just like I, you're, it's like I know in my heart that you're there, but I just don't sense anything about God in my life right now. And, uh, of course, if you go to your Christian friends, they're going to say, well, you, you probably haven't been praying enough or reading your Bible enough. They're trying, always trying to figure out an answer. You know, maybe you haven't been praying in the name of Jesus, have you pleaded the blood, they got a thousand things that will tell you, you know, what you should be doing and why you're having these problems in your life, just like Job's friends. And then it, he goes on to say that my food or my tears have been my food day and night. And this is kind of an interesting statement here. My tears have been my food day and night. Well, you know, when you when you're, when you're Distant from God, like this man was. He's crying out to God, and he's just saying, "You know, I'm just in such a state right now that all I can do is cry. And when you do that, you can't cry in your sleep. You got to be awake in the nighttime to cry. And so he's saying, "All I'm doing, just all the time, I'm crying. I'm just crying day and night. I just, you know, my my tears are just rolling. And I remember just being in the hospital, just thinking the same thing, you know that." You know, I wasn't crying, but I was just pouring out my heart to God. It's like, God, where are you? You seem so distant. Remember, Jesus even went through the same experience on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was kind of a, a moment like that in this individual's life. And so then if you're, if you're you know, awake all day crying and you're awake all night crying, then you start to have this physical problem. And then the physical starts to affect the spiritual, you know, when you, how many of you have ever noticed that when you're physically weak or you're physically sick, that you seem to be, you know, you spiritually, you start to go the same direction, you know, it just seems like you're more open to the enemy's attack if you're physically weak or you're physically sick, that you start to seem, you know, you don't have the strength spiritually. And so the second point that I want to look at uh, this morning is the cost. what happened to him? What happened to this psalmist that he got to be in this state? He says, my soul is downcast within me, verse 6. Therefore, I will remember you from the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Um, if you look at the map, and I've got a map, I think, on the next slide. And I don't know if you can read it or not, but um, you can see down in the bottom, the bottom of the map, there's a body of water, that's the Dead Sea. And if you look straight across the top of that, you'll see Jerusalem. Can you see that? from where you are? Is it legible? All right. Well, if you can, maybe you see at the bottom of the water. And then all the way up at the top, you'll see uh, Syria, and that's where Mount Hermon is. It's the highest mountain in uh, Israel, 9,230 feet. It's the only place that's got snow. They have a ski basin there. I've been there on one of my tourist trips to Israel. But So he's a long way. He's a long way from the temple. He's remembering, you know... uh And we don't know, the scripture's not clear if he was taken captive or he's been exiled there or what's happened, maybe just a transition, but he's a long way from the temple. And he's talking about, I remember those days when I was in Jerusalem, when we went up for the feast and I was in fellowship with people like you and we were worshiping God together, talking about the scriptures, about the great things that God has done in our life." But now he's separated in fellowship, he's separated in worship, he's separated in prayer. And you know that uh, this is not just for Christians, but between 80 and 90% of Muslims, of Jews, and of Christians feel like they don't need a body uh, of believers to fellowship with. They feel like they can be just as close to God out there by themselves as they can here in church. That may last for a while, but remember what the Hebrew uh, writer says. He says, don't forsake the assembly or the gathering together. And uh, so this is where he is. He's uh, surrounded by enemies that are apparently they're not believers, but they're taunting him, you know, constantly taunting him. Where's your God? You know, all these bad things are happening in your life. Where's your God at? Where's this big God of yours? Now, you told us about how he split the Red Sea and, you know, told us about all these miracles. And look at you. You know, you're just a miserable little crumb. You know? You're, you know, you're weeping and you're crying. And, you know, where's your strength? Suck it up. You know, where's this God of yours? And, you know, that's the way people begin to look at us when we got, start going through a difficult time. Verse 10, he says, The foes, his enemies, taunt him, saying to him all day long, Where is your God? And then he says, I say, see, and then it kind of splashes over. You know, not only is his enemies or, or his enemies saying this, but he begins to think it himself. And he says to my rock, to God my rock, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? It's like he's, you know, I've been in situations like this where, you know, it's just like, boom, the crisis comes. And every scripture that I have memorized that I can stand up and just like I could rip off I mean, just they just flow from my mouth. I can't even think of one word. It's just like, it's like I'm, you know, I, it's like you're, you're so shocked by the circumstance or the situation that it's like your brain goes blank and you can't remember. You know, even John three sixteen 16, it's just like it's hard to get the words together because you've been just like hit by this wave. And so that's what he's saying. My God, why have you forsaken me? And so he begins to doubt God. Uh, he, he begins to forget about the promises of God. And, uh, you know, when you're calm and you have peace and in your right mind, you know, the, the scripture just begins to flow. The Holy Spirit will bring a, a word to your mind. And had he been, you know, in that state of calmness and peace, he would have thought about probably Isaiah 49. You know, he's saying, God, you've forgotten me. You know, why have you forgotten me? And Isaiah 49 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child uh, that she has born? And though she may forget, I will never forget you. And God will say that to you personally this morning. No matter what trial you're facing, what circumstance you're going through this morning, it may be in a relationship, it may be in your finances, it may be with your children, it could be a health issue. And God's saying no matter Where you are or what you're going through, he says, I will not forget you. See, he says, and I love this because it's a beautiful play on words that was written, you know, probably some 700 years before Jesus came to the earth. He says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. And can you see that? I've engraved you on the cross. I've engraved you in the palms my hands and then finally the last point that I'd like to make so if you find yourself in a situation like this where God seems distant he doesn't seem close you can't feel God or sense God and he just seems like he is so far away from you this is the cure this is how you get back notice what he says I pour out my soul and that's what you need to do pour out your soul to God you know, just get back. Just, I am going to get back. I'm going to get back to you, God. And uh, he says uh, in Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, Trust in him at all time, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And so he begins to talk to, uh, about the way that he feels. He begins to tell God, God, I don't sense you anymore. I don't feel you anymore. You seem so distant from me. Where are you, God? It's okay to be honest with God. You Just talk to him about that. Just talk to him about the way that you're feeling and what you're going through. You're pouring out your soul to God. And then he says, I remember how I used to go up to the house of the Lord. In Lamentations 321, he says, uh, and and this is a good thing for all of us, though you may be in a dry and desolate place right now, you can look back in your life and see where, um, you know, just uh, uh, I think about the song Amazing Grace and he says, uh, uh, you know, he talks about um, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And, you know, all of us have been to that place where, I mean, it was just so rich, and God, you're there, and I feel that cleansing coming over me. You're washing away my sins. And then as you go on with life and in the world and on your journey, then all of a sudden you get busy, you get preoccupied, And you put God on the back burner, and the next thing you know, you're separated. You're kind of distant from God. He wasn't as close to you as the hour you first believed. But in Lamentations 3.21, he says, Yet I will dare to hope. And that's that's our point right here. Our second point is just to remember. Remember God. Remember the past. Um, I think it's Jeremiah 21.31. He says, Set up way marks or mile markers in your life that you can look back, you can look back. And I remember God showed up here. I remember, you know, when I was sick, God showed up here. I remember when, you know, our our children were on the wrong path and we cried out to God and and God saved them and brought them back. I remember when, you know, uh, our relationship, our marriage was falling apart and we cried out to God. Together we cried out to God and, God, you put it back together. I remember these things from the past and uh, God's saying, I remember you. He says, yet I still dare to hope, when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. And that's what uh, Jeremiah was writing in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. And then number three, he asks this question again. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Um, why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. And what he begins to do is he's like preaching to himself. He's like, what? you know, it's like, soul, what's the matter with you? I mean, remember all the good things that God has done in your life. You know, get out of this place. Get out of the place that you're in right now. Get out of this place of, of hopelessness and despair and depression. Get out of this place. Put your hope in God, because God's the only one that's going to break, uh, break forth and bring you through. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, that those that wait for the Lord will renew their strength. And as I said you know, he's kind of preaching to himself, remember the story of the prodigal, and he gets into that distant land. And, and then all of a sudden it says, I remember. I remember how things were in my father's house, you know, that even my father's own hired servants have more than I have right now. And he says, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm I'm to go back. I, I remember how good things were then and how bad things are right now. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And that's what the the psalmist is saying right here. Put your hope in God. Go back. Get back to God. And finally, the final point is that I will praise him, my God and my Savior. Even if you don't feel like it, it's the right thing to do. A lot of times we need to do in life what we don't feel like doing. We know it's the right thing to do. And uh, this is how you get out of the wilderness. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, it says that he gave them beauty for ashes, ashes is what you put on in those days, what you would put on when you're going through mourning, uh, when, you, when you really, you're, you're desperate for a, a move of God. He says he gives them the oil of joy for mourning. And listen to this last one. He gives them a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Now, if you're going through depression, if you're fighting some battles in your, your life right now, I mean, God may be the last thing on your mind, but you better make him the first thing on your mind. Because he will get you out of the pit that you're in. He will lift you up out of the miry pit, pit and put your feet on a solid foundation. This is what our God will do for you because he loves you. He gave me a garment of praise. Man, I don't feel like praising. I don't want to lift my hand. I'm just going to sit here and just, you know, God, this is your fault. This is your fault because I'm here right now. Don't you love me anymore? Don't you care for me anymore? If you love me, you'd get me out of this place. And if you stop thinking like that, and you start remembering the things that the Lord has done in your life. You know, Lord, I thank you. I bless you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. I praise you, Holy Father. I worship you, Lord God. Lord, you see where I am, and this is not where I want to be, but because of my situation, because of my circumstances, because of where I am, because I'm in the wilderness right now, nothing is going to stop me from lifting my hands and worshiping you. I lift my hands in praise. God, I'm asking that you would send forth your word, said there is an anointing that breaks the yoke. And that's what some of you need right now. You need that anointing that breaks the yoke in your life so you can be set free. Remember what Jesus said, he came to set the captives free. Amen?